Bibles, please, and turn to Romans 8. It's going to take a while before we get there. Romans chapter number 8. Romans 8. I took uh, a couple weeks off of teaching on parenting, although we all are going to be able to apply this today for us. But that was because um, Mike was on vacation, and uh, so we had the teenagers in here, and uh, I didn't want them to hear all the good stuff that we're saying in here, and then them try to use that against you as a parent. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but Romans, uh, Rom- Romans chapter number eight, and uh, we've been in this uh, journey for some time now. And um, this morning, here's what I want us to do. If you are a parent in here, obviously everything will basically apply to you. And if you are not, let me apply it before I even start for you. And uh, that will be that change changes a process. Okay? It, you know, it takes, you know, it, it, it takes time. And so you can, if you are working with somebody else, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's someone that you're witnessing to, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, whatever the case is, is that uh, you can apply some of the things that we're going to look at here this morning for, you know, for your specific area of life that God has, God has placed you in. And so we all, we all want this. Okay. What I'm about to talk about, we all, um, we all want it, but sometimes we don't seem to always get it. It can be it can be very frustrating at times. Um, you would love to have just one conversation uh, with your children, and uh, there would be you know just this this massive change uh, in their life. Uh, but when you think of this, when 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 you think of parenting, uh, you you must be committed as a parent to the long view, because change is a process. And it's not an event. Okay? It's a process. It's not an event. In moments of discipline, what you'll find, I certainly find myself doing this. And I want us to be honest in our hearts. You don't have to be honest to me. I want you to be honest with your hearts this morning. I'll find myself in areas, times of discipline, to where I will raise my voice or I will become at times a little bit more, a little bit more forceful. Why? Because I, I want change. I don't... I don't want this to, you know, continue to happen. Maybe we'll get, you know, maybe, maybe we'll, uh, we think if we're just stern enough or if we're loud enough, if we make enough threats or if the threats are big enough, you know, like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take away, you fill in the blank. And you figured out, okay, well, last week, you know, taking away, um, you know, screen time for an hour wasn't enough. Well, oh, this time it's going to be screen time for a week. You know, remember what I told you? I got so upset. I, I told you this story a few weeks ago that, Blake just hauled off and just hit Danielle. Remember, she had been away at camp uh, for uh, a week, and actually she'd been away for two weeks because she had spent some time with cousins. And then the very night that he she, she came home, he just hauled off. I mean, I don't know what she was doing, tickling him, who knows? And she just punched him in the face. And remember, I told you this. If you don't remember, it's okay. I'm gonna remind you. I literally took any form of like, you know, like aggressive TV. Like, you know, if there's any kind of fighting, I just like you can't watch it for a month. You know. And it's just like, I just threw that out there, you know, and he doesn't, he's just like, he doesn't even fully understand what that means. And so Sarah heard what I was saying and how I was uh, dealing with that. And, you know, of course there was additional discipline that went along with that. But I began to think, you know, wow, is it that he watched some, you know, children's superhero show and, you know, they're punching, I, I didn't know. And so I just threw that out there. And so sometimes we think, hey, if the threat is strong enough, if the threat has enough, has enough weight to it, then it will bring about change. Over the years of 
of ministering and pastoring, I've heard parent over time say something like this. They'll say, you know, Ryan, I've, I've tried everything that I'm hearing. I, I've tried everything I'm learning, and it just isn't working. Say, they'll say something like that. And sometimes my response will be, how do you know? Are you sure that it's not working? Let me give you a couple examples. Let's say your four-year-old son hits your two-year-old daughter in the face, like mine. Well, I have a 12-year-old, 5 and 12, but just take the scenario. Your four-year-old hits your two-year-old, and you then ask the question, why in the world would you do such a thing? And you want them to say, because I am a sinner, and I am selfish, and I am, you know, in need of redemption, and I am in need of, you know, all kinds of things. That's what we want to hear. We, we, we want our four-year-old to just say, oh, yeah, of course, well, this is, this is what my problem is. I'm selfish, and I'm jealous, and I get violent, and I'm a person who needs to be rescued by Jesus Christ. But instead, what often do you hear? You hear, well, she took my stuff. And I've told her not to take my stuff. So, Dad, you need to talk to her to listen to me when I tell her not to take my stuff. Instead of hearing what often what we want to hear. And after the 15th time of this happening, where you've had this discussion over and over and over again, sometimes we want to say, couldn't it just be one conversation? Couldn't I just be forceful enough? And then they will, then they will get it. I remember I was at um, lunch. This was in Pennsylvania when I was pastoring there. I was in lunch with um, someone, and uh, we were at a macaroni grill. I think all of ours closed. That's sad. Any of you know where a macaroni grill is? Man, those were good. There's one in Milpitas. Oh, I might be going there tomorrow. But Okay, so we went to, we went to macaroni grill. Loved it. And we were sitting across there because it's really cool because you get to kind of like write on the tables. They put those white um, papers on it, and your kids can just, you know, wreak havoc. And uh, this particular parent who was actually they weren't quite a parent yet they were just a newly couple it was amazing how you know so I had Danielle Danielle was probably I don't know three at the time and you know she was she's a great kid right she's 12 now I can tell all the stories I want about her now but you know she was having a little struggle of a you know struggle of a day and you know and so then they begin to spend the next 30 minutes educating me on how to raise children and they had none and they were just saying, yeah, you know what we're going to do when we get kids, man? We're going we're gonna to go over to, you know, and we're going to spank them before, you know, they do anything. And I was just like, you know, you know just, I was just crazy. And so what will happen is, is we think that if we'll just do something hard enough or if we'll just say something clear enough, that I'm, then we'll be good. That we won't have to have this conversation again and again and again. Or take your junior, senior high schooler, that you've given them a curfew of 11 o'clock, and now it's 11.15, 11.20, and you're sitting there in the living room with your cell phone, staring at the front door, and you're getting steaming mad because they're not there. And this happens over and over and over again. And so then they come in, and you know you hear the screech or whatever, and they come in the door, and you just find that, oh, I hate my curfew and all these different types of things, but I'll try to do better next time. And you realize that, you know what, this conversation is probably going to go real well at 11.30 at night, so you know what, why don't you go to bed, and we'll talk about it the next day. And then you put your head down, and uh, you are discouraged because it's not changing. Okay? And here's where, here's where the gospel of Jesus Christ provides the ultimate model for what God has called us to 
in whatever ambassadorial role you were in. I've been saying that for weeks now. You and I are all here to really shepherd the next generation, whether they're your biological children or they are the other children around you. Okay? Our goal is to bring them up so that they can glorify God and, 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 and love the Lord, giving them a God consciousness. Okay? And so here's where the gospel of Christ comes in. I want you to think about how God the Father works change into your life and how he brings change into my life, and that will help us be able to apply that to other individuals. Look at verse 14. Romans 14. We're going to bounce around here a little bit this morning. Romans 8, 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Look at verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs... Heirs of God, and notice this next phrase, and joint heirs with Christ, if so that be, so that we suffer with Him, that we may also glorified or also glorified together. You say, Ryan, what in the world does that have anything to do with this? Because of the complete work of Jesus Christ, the finished. That's what I'm saying. Here's where the gospel meets us. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, we are welcomed into God's family. Have you ever heard someone just say, oh, you know, we're all children of God? No, actually, we're not. Okay? We become a child of God when we trust Christ Christ as our Savior. Because of what Christ did, then we become a part of God's family. And when you become a part of God's family, you then, I mean, we don't have time to talk about adoption and the beauty of that, of of the gospel. That's not necessarily the point of this morning's lesson, and so I'm not going to go through it. But when you think about it, you are given all the rights and all of the privileges of being his child. We have been fully justified. We've been completely accepted in Jesus Christ, but we're not practically complete, right? We're not, you know, positionally 100% in Christ. We're complete. We're, we're justified from the heavenlies. We're, you know, we're accepted in the beloved. We're seen as holy. We're seen as blameless, all those things. But you and I have a, a practical side of our life. Let me ask you a question. And I would like for you to raise your hand. I know, I know you might feel like you are in kindergarten. And I'm going to make this super easy for you. How many of you have sinned in the last, I'll make it really easy for you, 30 days? Raise your hand. Oh, Jessica, I don't see your hand raised there. I appreciate that. Hey, I get to pick on her soon to be, you know, um, you know Mike's wife and everything. And so, But we all raise our hands. Except for Jessica, but that's all right. But we all, we, we all have sinned in the last 30 days. So here's... What that means, you're no longer blameless. Okay? But of course, you know that you still are in the eyes of God through the Son of Jesus Christ. But here's the point. The power of sin has been broken. Hallelujah. Okay? Romans 6 tells us all about that. But the presence of sin, sin still remains. Okay? And it's still being progressively eradicated. And so the most important word probably in that phrase that I just said would be the progressive side of it. Okay? What did, what did Paul tell us in Colossians says, being confident of this very thing, he which hath begun a good work in you, what? Will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Okay? And so you and I, we've been given this amazing position in Christ with all of the awesome benefits of the gospel. But then you also, God is committed to you long term to continually in your practical day-to-day life to being eradicating 
the sin in your life, sir, ma'am, as an adult. Okay? And so here's what's important to understand. The Father's work of justification is an event. It's a one-time thing for you. Mine was when I was 12 in 1992, when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, justified. Okay? And we have the cliche statements, just as if I never sinned. I like the other side also, just as if I'd always obeyed. You and I were seen in Christ that way. But his work of transformation is literally a lifelong process. So when justifying you, when God justified you, if you trust Christ your Savior, if you had make that today. Okay, make that September 2nd, 2018. Perfect day for you. But if this is the case, it went, when God justified you, he was fully aware that he was committing himself to a day-to-day process of confronting, of convicting, of giving grace, of giving mercy. He knew that. That all you and I needed. Remember a couple weeks ago, the greatest thing God ever gave us was himself. He knew, don't get mad at this, he knew we were so messed up that we needed him. And so he gives us the Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit living inside of us, not left to our own wisdom, not left to any of that. As we're trying to parent, as we're trying to, let me apply it to everyone, as we're trying to bring about change to a culture, to the world around us. Okay, turn to 1 Timothy 1. We've already looked at this text, but I want you to see it again. 1 Timothy 1. God's committed to transforming you, to forgiving you, convicting you, confronting you, giving you grace and mercy. But Paul, he characterized this process beautifully. And then I, you can already see where we're headed. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I brought this out a few weeks ago. Paul does not say, of whom I was chief. Of whom I am. Present tense. It's a a perspective change. Verse 16, how be it? For this cause I obtained mercy. Praise God for that. That in first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Again, what Paul is saying is, is because I am the worst of all sinners, Jesus will be able to use me as a case study of how patient he is, of how he is able to bring about change in this radical sinner's life. Why? So that others might see, hmm, God is so patient, God is so so long-suffering, so willing to endure can I say this? Paul's stupidity in his life. How many of you ever do things that are just dumb? Me too. I didn't make you raise your hand on that one. Aren't you glad? Okay. Like, why did I think that? Man, why? Oh, I, I frustrate myself big time. Okay. Well, God uses that, that transformation, that day-to-day. Justification, it's an event. Okay. But this transformation in your life, this practical sanctification, it's day by day by day by day. And so for those of you that are parents to biological children, this is your motto. I know that it's not fun. You'd rather have a change tonight. I get it. It's what we all want. We want perfect kids overnight. But it doesn't happen. Parenting is not a series of dramatic confrontations and then where we get confession. 
but rather a lifelong process of incremental awareness and progressive change. So the four-year-old, he's not going to say after you confront him, I am a self-centered, self-ruling idolater that's in need of redemption. Okay, The middle schooler uh, will not become a fully transformed human being. And here what I'm about to say, the teenager will still need your everyday parenting wisdom. I think the desire for overnight change kind of gets us into trouble. And I'm not here to pick on the bookstores and things like that and, you know, how to, how to get a, I don't even know what the titles are anymore, but how to get a sweet kid in a week. That has hurt us because we think that it's just this, just this overnight thing. If you and I were honest this morning with our own lives, we can see that we're still on a journey, Right? We are still hopefully progressing towards practical sanctification and holiness in our life. We are still learning about what, you know, and then remember we went through gray areas. What might be a sin for me might not be a sin for this brother here. And where we learn that things are, you know, that there's an ebb and flow to this. You might have complete liberty with something on September 2nd, 2018. But come this time next year, the Holy Spirit of God might be saying, nope, that's not good for you anymore. And so there's this journey. There's this process. Let me give you another scenario. You're getting ready to go on vacation. Okay? And uh, you, feel, you feel like you've done a good job parenting for, uh, you know, the 51 weeks out of the year. Right? And uh, now, it's, now it's time for a week off. Time for a week of vacation. You know what we want? We don't want to be bothered with situations, right? Come on. Those of you that are parents, please acknowledge and know I'm talking. Hey, you don't want it. Oh, I just want to be able to read. I just want to be able to sit at the pool, drink lemonade, whatever the case. That's just what I want. Do we realize what we want? Do we really? I mean, because that's totally what I want. And when I go away, I, I don't want it. Any issues? I don't want any times of discipline. I don't want. I don't want any of that. This is man. This is this is vacation. But you know what we're hoping for? We're hoping for little sinners who needed so much of our attention, 51 weeks out of the year, to all of a sudden become sanctified overnight, and then we have a good week. And then you get up in the morning. You go on vacation. And you're like, what, seven miles down the road and they're already fighting in the back of the van? How many of you have been there? Come on. And you know what, you know what I start doing? I start threatening. Like, oh, man, you know what? I'll turn this van around. Hey, you know, you, if, you, if you don't stop, man, vacation's canceled. We're not going. No, and that I would never really do that. See what I mean? It's what happens is we've bought into this and it's done. We should never, we should never have this issue again. I don't know about you, but how often do you have to ask the Lord to help you with your pride? Right? And so you are still this journey. And so it is helpful to be a parent or to be, if you're not, if you're not a biological parent, to be an agent of change to realize, wow, okay, this is going this this, this to take time. A misunderstanding of what we've been called to as a parent will always set up unrealistic expectations of our children. And frustrations as a parent will tempt you to do and say things that you and I should never really do or say. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of transition and take that kind of, kind of that idea, and I want us to kind of flesh that out a little bit. We're going to take 
Uh, we're going to take more than even today uh, to do that. But I want us to kind of, I want us to ponder this fact. And please don't get a, please don't get offended at me. I'm going to try to do this in the next 12 minutes so that way you don't get offended at me. Okay. Number one, the blind are leading the blind. Ryan, did you just call me blind? I did. The blind are leading the blind. See, parenting would be infinitely easier if you were dealing with just wrong behavior. But when you're dealing with something deeper and more deadly, see, the Bible states that we're dealing with something that is more dangerous, dangerous aspects of sin, which all parents deal with personally and which all parents deal with in their children, but it is the fact that sin blinds, okay? I, I, I don't have the time to go over all that, but, but, but in Isaiah 6, in Isaiah 43, Isaiah tells us of what sin does for us, or, or, or what, it, what it does to us. It literally, it literally blinds the eyes. It literally, it literally deafens the ears, okay? And it doesn't mean that, that, that we're lost. It just means that when, when, when we have this sin and things like that in our life, it, it, it blinds us to what, to what we are meant to see. Jesus literally even talked about how the blind leaders are being led by the blind in Matthew 15. 2 Corinthians 4 talks about how Satan's job and what he desires to do is he desires to blind people from the truth. And then ultimately, his ultimate goal is so that they believe a lie and they wouldn't believe the gospel. Paul tells us, but 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 sin is a sin is a blinder, okay? Hebrews three tells us that that through sin that our uh, through through the deceitfulness of sin our, our our minds they get they get hardened, our hearts get deceived through the deceitfulness of sin. It says in Hebrews three. So sin blinds. You can be like. I'm so glad I came to church today. So sin blinds. Yes, I just had every one of you raise your hand, and I gave you, I let you off the hook by saying the last 30 days. And so sin blinds, but who does it blind first? Okay? I'll give you an example. I have no problem seeing the sin of my family members. I have no problem seeing the sin of my Neighbors, but we'll exclude Ron because he is one of my neighbors. Okay, I'm not talking about him. I have no problem seeing the sin in the people that I love so dearly and am allowed to lead as their pastor. That's you. I have no problem seeing the sin in some of my friends, but I can be quite surprised when somehow my sin is exposed. And that's what we're dealing with in our children. Okay, remember what I asked you to do? I asked you to, 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 to not, you know, you've, you've, got, you've got to examine your own heart. So your sin being exposed shocks you. Well, guess what? You're going to do the same thing to your children. It'd be bad enough that children are, it is bad enough that children are kind of predisposed by sin because of their sin nature to rebel against authority you know, to want to write their own rules, right? That's what every kid wants to do. I want my own rules. I want my curfew. I want this. Why do I have to go to bed at 9 o'clock? I'm 12 years old. Well, so-and-so, they get to go to bed at midnight. I'm like, are you so-and-so? I mean, these are the conversations I have in my home. It's awesome. It's great, you know? Like, oh, okay, that person's 18, you're 12, and you're going to try to say that you should get the, I mean, oh, I mean, just, oh, I love Danielle, 100%. You know that. 
But this is what happens. They want to write their own rules. Okay? And so therefore they do what is wrong. But as you're dealing with these things, you're also parenting a little person who does not see his or her sin accurately. What is wrong does not look so wrong to them. What they think is um, okay or what you think is sinful is not necessarily always apparent to them. Your children are not just selfish and rebellious. Okay? They're blind. Ryan, man, I'm so glad I came to church today. I know. But by God's grace... And what is clear to you is not always clear to them. What seems obvious to you is not always obvious to them. And the response that we think should be natural, it's not natural to them. What they think is okay might not be okay. They think they're right, but they're not right. They think that what they decided, it was done in wisdom. But you and I know, we're like, no, 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 no. That wasn't wisdom being displayed. That was foolishness. Just like every time I choose to sin. Just like every time I choose to say something that I'm not supposed to say. Every time I'm supposed to not go somewhere and I do or Whatever the case is, it's foolishness. Not wisdom that is... Cho- Am I the only one that sins in here? Come on, someone's like, yeah, I sin too. I appreciate it. And I feel like, yeesh. Alright? And so, and because they think these things, they do not think they need your help. Your kids do not think they need your help. All right? My five-year-old knows that he needs me to cook him dinner and things like that because he can't do that. But he doesn't really think he needs my help with correction and things like that. And so when we understand what their perspective is, no wonder we have children that will resist us. Okay? So the problem with the four-year-old is not just that he hit his sister. The problem is that he feels justified and that he did it. She took my toys and you need to deal with her. Right? Okay? The, uh, you know, the teenage daughter does not think that repeatedly coming in late is a big deal. However, she does think that you're being overly dramatic. <laughs> I'm 18! Right? She does think that you are being a little judgmental. She does think that she is a responsible person. And clearly, as they get older we obviously give them more responsibility. We don't treat your 18-year-old like your 5-year-old. I'm not saying that. Okay? But they think, no, 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 I, I, I know better. Your teenager doesn't think that you, that you just need to chill because she does not really have a problem that requires your attention. It was only 25 minutes late, Dad. And she thinks that these things, she thinks these things because she's blind. Or she's blinded. Okay, if she's lost at that age, then of course she's blind. But even as believers, sin sin blinds us. That four-year-old boy, he says, it's not my fault. I hit her because she stole something from me. Hello, that's the rules, right? You know, an eye for an eye, right? He's blind. So no parent is able to escape the deceiving power of sin. All parents need to understand the power of spiritual blindness as they think that the as they think of the task that God has called them to. Remember the calling that God's given us? Okay, it's to, be an, it's to be an ambassador. So our job would be much easier if we were parenting spiritually sighted all the time people that saw themselves always accurately. But sometimes I don't see myself accurately. And that's why I need people that are around me that can say, hey, 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 Ryan, there's, a, you know, there, there's, there's an issue here. 
You're, you know, the, 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 you're a little bit wrong. I mean, I, I, I'm literally looking for that in my life in the next, I don't know, week or so. Okay? Why? Because we don't always see ourselves the way that, uh, that, that, that others and the way that God would and the Word would descri- describe us. But spiritual blindness, it's unlike physical blindness in one very significant way. See, when you're physically blind, you know that you're blind, right? And then what are you going to do? You're going to begin to make course corrections based on your physical blindness. But the vast difference between spiritual blindness and physical blindness is that we are blind to the fact that we are sometimes blind. Does that make sense? Right? Have you ever heard somebody literally justify their sin so beautifully? Well, this is why I did this. I mean, and they go and they believe it. They're so sincere as they're selling why they sinned. And you're sitting back, you're like, dude, if you could hear yourself. And, and, and they're born again. They're, they're, they're a believer. And so what happens is, is when you're spiritually blind or when you're being spiritually blinded by sin, what happens is, is we, can't even, we can't even see it. Someone might confront you and you're like... I got no issue. This is not a problem. But where when you're physically blind, uh, you know it. I mean, you got the bumps and the bruises to prove that you are physically, excuse me, physically blind. Then you, then you know. And so the conversation with the four-year-old is complicated by the fact that you're not talking to, in a sense, a sighted person. The confrontation with the teen girl is made much more difficult by the fact that you're talking to someone who, at the time, is blinded by something in their life. It is not that your children do not confess quickly. It's not that your children do not even maybe change in that particular area quickly. It is that they do not see what you see. And because they do not see what you see, they think you are wrong. And they think that you're judgmental. And they think that you are controlling now listen, if we are being too controlling, if we are overreacting to things, and allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in our lives. But listen, a lot of times you're in actually a good place if they're thinking that. Because you're caring. You're, you're, you're caring for this person's soul. If you're not a parent and you're trying to bring change in someone else's life, keep fighting for that person. Keep praying for that person. I'll ask you a question. Where does blindness get eradicated? In the light. In the light. And that's kind of where we're. That's kind of where we're headed. I, I, I've got to stop. But you and I, you know, what we, you know, what we ought to do. We ought to, we ought to continue advance into these conversations, into these situations, even though it's the 17th time. I get it. Oh. Right? Those of you that got little kids, it's like the 15th, 16th, 17th. I've already, I had this discussion with you yesterday. Continue advance into those conversations. Advance into those situations, realizing what God has called you to. God has called you to be an agent. Remember I said this like week one. That God has called you to be an agent of change in that young person's life, whether it's your child or whether it's the next generation, an agent of change in that person's life. Well, then if you and I take a step back and say, okay, well, how does God change me? Well, it's incrementally. Then I think you and I can be a little bit more patient with those that God has told us to 
kind of uh, shepherd along in their life, realizing that it's okay. I'm not saying that someone coming in at 11.30 when they should be home at 11 is okay. But the point is, is that you're having the same discussion. You're continually advancing. Those are all good things. You are praying. You are, you are, you are applying the gospel to this situation. What you will find is, is that you will continue and continue and continue. And that's why when the parent says, I'm trying everything and it's not changing. Do we really know that? God could be doing that inner work to soften that heart and to soften that life as you continue to advance into your calling. And so, yes, I called us blind, but thank God for Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah, because he definitely is the light in our life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. For